Hello, Mighty Warrior. Welcome to the Mighty Warriors podcast, a podcast dedicated to inspire and encourage you to experience a deeper intimacy with God and to be transformed by His Word in your everyday life. I'm Colette Correa, and this is episode 15, an episode in which we will meet a man who was given a chance to obey and trust God during challenging times. Stay tuned. Hello friend, welcome to today, it's good to have you join me, there is so much to be grateful for and let me tell you what I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for you, thank you for listening and for encouraging me, I receive messages from some of you and it's always an encouragement to hear someone tell me. You know, I'm very encouraged by what you share. It really inspires me and pushes me in my faith. And so for all those who have been sending me messages and encouragements, thank you so very much. I must also tell you that I'm very grateful for my very life. Every day that we wake up, we ought to be grateful for a new day to breathe, to live, to inspire, motivate, encourage. And so this really fuels me and I'm very grateful that my voice counts and that I'm given another day to be a light in this world. Today we're going to look at the life of a man who walked with God. When God called him to do something that really made no sense, he still did it and it not only saved him but saved his family as well. Some of you might have guessed it already, I'm talking about Noah. And before we talk about him and what God called him to do and the ark that he had to build, I'd like to talk about the ark that is located in Williamston, Kentucky, which is a full-size Noah's Ark that was built in 2016 according to the dimensions given in the Bible. I have never been there, but I look forward to going there next time I find myself in Kentucky. I can only imagine how breathtaking it is to walk through that ark. An ark that is one and a half football fields and as high as a four-story building. While the entire ark project in Kentucky took 18 months to complete, with a crew of a thousand people helping overall, with more than 300 people working on the site at one time, it took Noah 120 years and he probably only had his three sons helping him. Although, His wives could have possibly helped, so the maximum crew was eight. Who was Noah and what did God call him to do? Noah was a man who was chosen in his generation to do something great, something out of the ordinary. His story starts in Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 through chapter 9. To get a little taste of what his generation was like, I'd like for us to read Genesis chapter 6 verses 5 through 8. And here is what it says. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, 
and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animal and the birds and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. From Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel to Noah, many generations passed. Not only have generations passed, but evil has increased upon the earth. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, it was all good and in order. After Adam and Eve chose out of their own free will to disobey God's command and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, pain, suffering, violence, and all kind of evil became part of their nature, which not only affected them, but their children and the following generations. Genesis chapter 6 verses 11 through 22 continues and explains that God was grieved by how corrupt by evil people were and informs Noah of his plan to wipe out the earth through a flood, but that he will establish his covenant with him and he and his son and his wife and his wife's sons will be saved as they enter the ark. Then God instructs him on how to build a specific ark in which he is to bring two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive, two of every kind of birds and of every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground, which will actually come to him to be kept alive. Not only are the animals to be kept alive, he is also supposed to store up food for himself and his family and the animals. And verse 22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I can't imagine all the work that it all entailed, cutting the wood, measuring it, I mean, nailing it. Of course, there was no glue. You don't... <laughs> I don't know what I thought of that, but you don't glue a boat. I mean, that that's what I would want to do. I would want to glue it rather than nail it. Anyways, and then storing up all the food. And the good thing, I think, within this this project overall is that the animals would be coming to him so he didn't have to go find them. Um, they were all led. The Lord brought them to the ark when it was time for them to enter the ark. I think that's amazing. God had a timing for everything and even a timing for the animals to come to the ark so that they could all enter and for the door to be closed. So when the ark was completed and that Noah and his family and all the required animals entered the ark, God shut the door. They remain in the ark for 150 days. And after 150 days in the ark, Noah and his family and the animals came out. And God made a covenant with Noah. In episode 6, we briefly discuss this covenant. The Noahic covenant is an unconditional covenant that God made with Noah, in which he promises to never destroy the earth again through a flood. And the sign that God gives Noah to seal the covenant is a rainbow. You may read the details of this covenant in Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. What I'd like to do right now is focus on three specific things. Number one, the judgment of God. 
Number two, the mercy of God. And number three, the upcoming judgment. If I had to use a word to summarize Noah's story, my word would be judgment. Why judgment? Because Noah's story not only speaks of the judgment in his time, in his generation, but it also serves as a shadow of things to come. So let's talk about this judgment that took place. God selected Noah, but during that time, for 120 years, Noah preached about the upcoming judgment. How do we know that Noah preached to them? Because we're told in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So as Noah was building that ark, he kept warning them of God's grief, of the imminent flood, of all the evil that was taking place. And he was surely calling people to repent. People had 120 years to repent, turning around from their sin. But alas, they only resisted. By nature, God is love. As we are told in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, but he is also just. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we are told that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But forgiveness is contingent upon our confession and repentance. However, persistence on doing evil, of hardening one's heart, only brings punishment, which is also called the wrath of God. So, at the face of evil, God, who is love, must also punish sin because He is a loving and just God. He must bring judgment at the face of evil. Here are some examples of God's judgments that have taken place in the past. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 14 through 24, God brought judgment on Adam and Eve for having disobeyed his command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they were banished from the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 7, verses 17 through 24, God brought judgment to the people of Noah's generation for the wickedness that was taking place at that time. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 5 through 9, we read that God brought judgment on the people at the Tower of Babel for persisting on going against His command by remaining in one location when God had commanded that they populate the earth. So God confused their language so they would disperse to various locations. In Exodus chapter 7 through chapter 12, God brought judgment on the idolatrous nation of Egypt who resisted God's decree by refusing to release the Israelites who had been in bondage there for 400 years. Through signs and wonders, God demonstrated that He is God and He brought punishment upon Pharaoh and the land of Egypt that they would see that He is God and that none of the idols, none of the gods that they were worshipping were anything at all, which eventually led to the submission of Pharaoh as they let all the children of Israel leave Egypt. 
in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 8. There is a judgment that should be placed upon us. However, that passage speaks of the Messiah. Here is what it says. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was punished. Jesus has taken that judgment upon himself, so that whomever places their faith in him will not be punished. Jesus was punished in our stead, as we read in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 9. And in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, we know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So although we deserve the wrath of God, we deserve God to judge us according to our sins. Whenever we place our faith in Christ, we can benefit of the freedom and not be judged for what our sins deserve. But this is contingent upon our accepting Jesus Christ in our lives as Lord and Savior. Let's now talk about the mercy of God. Although judgment was pronounced and God had a plan to destroy the people because of their sins, God is merciful. In His mercy, He gives us time to repent and forsake our sins. And a classic example is the example of the city of Nineveh. In the book of Jonah, God calls Jonah and commissions him to go to the city of Nineveh. Although Jonah hears the call of God, he runs away from God because he knows that if people hear what he has to preach, they will repent and God will have mercy and relent. And so Jonah avoids going to that city. But in the end, he does go to Nineveh. And here is what it says in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. I really want to read that passage because it does give us a full picture of God's mercy. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, 
covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So the people were clearly gripped with a reverential fear of the Lord. And as they repented, God canceled his judgment on the city. In contrast to the attitude of this city, people during Noah's time did not repent. And thus judgment did come through the flood and only Noah, his wife, and his three sons and their wives were saved through the ark. Yet As we are told in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It is very important for us to highlight that because God does not wish us ill. He wants the best for us. God did not want to destroy the people, but wanted to destroy the evil the wickedness, the flood did not remove the sin from the earth. In fact, while we understand Noah to have been a man who was righteous and blameless, he still had a sinful nature. The Bible tells us, however, that what marked Noah to being different from the rest of the people of his generation is that he walked with God. Walking with God means that you have a committed personal relationship with God that you fellowship with God, that you have come to an agreement with Him by accepting His ways as you submit your will to His will for your life. Now let's talk about the the upcoming judgment. Noah preached repentance and the imminent judgment that was to come in his generation, which actually brings me to preach to you concerning an upcoming judgment that will come when we do not expect it. In the New Covenant Scriptures, in 2 Peter chapter 3, it speaks of a time when scoffers will rise following their own evil desires. There is a prediction of a judgment by fire. When will this judgment come? We do not know. But 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10 says, The day of the Lord, meaning the day of judgment, will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. As Jesus was speaking to, of the end times to his disciples, he made them understand that Noah's flood was a forerunner of a coming judgment, a judgment that will come when no one expects it. Here is what he says in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage, up 
to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. The description here is suggesting that in Noah's time, people had no care, no concern in the world concerning the coming judgment that Noah had been preaching during those 120 years. Then in verse 28 and 29, Jesus continues by highlighting the same lack of concern in the days of Lot. And here's what it says. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. The important question to ask ourselves is, should we be trembling in fear? The answer is yes, we should be trembling in fear, in reverential fear. God is holy, and He is also just, and for this reason, He must punish sin. I'd like to read to you 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-9, through 9, and it says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if He did not spare the ancient world when He brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deed he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. This passage is very clear. It simply tells us that we cannot escape judgment, especially if we sin and refuse to walk in a path of righteousness, it leads to judgment. Here are a few examples of the judgments that are to come. In Revelations chapter 6 through 16, you can read of the judgments of the tribulation period. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, we read of the judgment seat of Christ. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, we read of the judgment of the nations. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, we read of the judgment of angels. In Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, we read of the great white throne judgment. This is important for us to know because God's judgment is imminent. My friend, how will you impact your generation? First, you must know that if you want to find what the plans and purposes of God are for your life, 
you must walk with God. You must have a personal relationship with Him. The Bible reveals to us that we are all separated from God because all have sinned, all have done things that displeased God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The consequences of sin is separation from God, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But one thing you need to know is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So friend, call on God, repent of your sins and accept this gift of forgiveness that is provided through Jesus Christ so you can be at peace with God. Second, do not be ignorant of God's will. The way you will nourish your spirit is by reading the word of God. So you may learn, so you may be able to test and prove what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. God communicates with us through his word, through the Bible. We learn from what happened to people of ancient times, and we are also given instructions on how they lived. We get instruction from God on how He wants us to live. And so reading the Bible, studying it, meditating on it, memorizing some of the passages will strengthen your spiritual roots and help you grow. When the Apostle Paul spoke to the Greeks in Athens, as we read in in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 29 through 31, he told them that since they were God's offspring, they should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In other words, God cannot be fashioned into an idol. He then further explained to them that in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And this, of course, is speaking of Jesus who rose from the dead. Jesus will judge the world. Therefore. Do not be ignorant of what the Bible says. Open it, read it, study it, memorize it, and you will start to grow spiritually. We are all without excuse. We are given the Bible in many languages, and therefore we can read the Word and know the will of God. God communicates with us through His Word. Therefore, I say it again. Repent of your sins and surrender your life to Jesus. Third, accept God's calling on your life so you can fulfill his plans and purposes. Noah was called in his generation to be a preacher of righteousness. What has God called you to do in your generation? Have you accepted the call and are actively doing what he's calling you to do? If you are, I am very glad for you, but if you're not, I would say, take this day 
to accept the call that God has on your life. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, today we saw that you are grieved by sin. Sin is constantly before us. We are a people of unclean lips with selfish and evil desires. When we err in our own way, we are far away from you. We are far away from you, your ways, and your will. You declare in your word that your thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are our ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways than our ways, and your thoughts than our thoughts. Help us, Lord, I pray, to renew our minds in your word, so our thoughts and our hearts are aligned with yours, so we can be conformed to do your will. In Noah's time, he must have wondered if your impending judgment was just and fair. Yet, in the process, he obeyed you and he trusted you. Lord, we want to be like Noah. Help us to faithfully walk with you and be preachers of righteousness in our generation. Judgment is coming and we tremble at the thought that this earth will be destroyed by fire because you must punish sin. Help us to trust you with all our hearts and to not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you so you may direct our path as we fulfill the call you have on our lives and preach the good news concerning Messiah Jesus in our generation so that the nations may come to repentance like the city of Nineveh and accept the good news concerning Messiah Jesus and the gift of forgiveness that He offers to all who repent. This I pray in the mighty and precious name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mighty Warrior, it has been a pleasure sharing the story of Noah with you today. And I hope you can join us next time as we continue to study the Bible together. I hope that these episodes help you grow and stirs up your faith and leads you to study the Bible even more in depth. I do share a lot of passages of scriptures so that that can give you an opportunity to go back and to read those passages and study them on your own. And so, my dear friends, stay rooted in the Word of God, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for tuning in. I will talk to you next week. Bye.